In the Bible, the family was very important. They took care of you. They fed you. They clothed you. We must not forget those things. No matter what your parents have ever done to you, they're still your parents. And if you're a Christian, you better have a good attitude with your parents and your grandparents or any person that you have to take care of. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. On today's program, we are continuing our journey through the historical book of 1 Kings. As Raul examines the amazing legacy that King David left his son Solomon, you'll see that it's crucial to consider the best interests of others in your daily decisions. We hope you'll continue listening as we evaluate the witness of our lives and the spiritual heritage we'll leave to our families. Let's join Raul Reese now for part one of our message from 1 Kings chapters 1 and 2. This evening, I just really pray that the Lord will really speak to us through this great book. It's an Old Testament book, but at the same time, there are so many practical things that we can not only get and learn from, because we're going to be learning about King David coming to the end of his life and his son Solomon now coming into the place of taking over the throne. And when you think of Solomon, the life of Solomon is very interesting because it is David's son that becomes a successor to the throne of Israel. And that's kind of the way it is with every one of us. Uh, with your daughters, with your sons, with your grandchildren. One day, you and I are going to die. And there's an inheritance that has to be passed on to the next generation. And I always think of uh, David, because David was really a man after God's own heart. And David had been blessed of the Lord financially. He got to gather together all of the things to build the temple of God. But God says, you cannot build me a house because you're a man of blood. David was a man of war. He was a warrior. He had killed many people. And because he was a man of blood, he could not build a temple. But he said, but your son will be able to build me a house. You'll gather the stuff together and he'll use it and he'll build it. And then I thought about it for a moment, and sometimes it can be a blessing or it can be a cursing if you have a lot to leave to your children, because they can either misspend it or it can destroy them or they can use it for a good cause. That's something that you have to think about. Because sometimes when we do get ready to pass away and get ready to die, You gather your wife together, you gather your things together, and you have to think, okay, who do we leave these things to? Are they good stewards? Especially if they're your children. And if you have some children that are not good spenders, 
And maybe they're not walking with the Lord. There's always that doubt in your mind thinking, well, if I leave them so much, it might destroy them. And these are things that we have to think about all the time in our lives. As God blesses you. As He gives to you so much. David had to think about it. Because God had blessed him so much. David becomes a type in the Old Testament as a type of Christ. Where Solomon, his son, becomes a type of the Prince of Peace. His name means peaceable in the Hebrew. All of the glory and the splendor that he had over the people and the beautiful temple that he's going to build for God. As God will call him to do that as a master builder of God's house. And yet David made the conquest. He killed the people. He took the spoils to enable Solomon to live and reign in peace and to live a magnificent prosperity of life in his own time. Sometimes as parents, we want to prepare the way for our children so that when we die, they don't have to struggle. Sometimes it can be good. Sometimes it can be bad. Because how are they going to learn about life if we're always protecting them? We have to be careful how we treat our children and our grandchildren. Making sure that God is number one and we're not respecter of persons, especially with our children or grandchildren, and even with our wives or our husbands. But doing it for the Lord, for the kingdom of God is the key. How is God going to benefit from all these things that I'm going to do for my family? That's important. The key people in the book of First Kings, let me name some of them to you because you'll hear them over and over. Number one is going to be Solomon, David's brilliant successor, who builds Jerusalem's temple and brings vast wealth to Israel and contributes to three Old Testament books. Proverbs, the Song of Solomon, and the book of Ecclesiastes. Now what is interesting is that Solomon writes the actual book of the Song of Solomon in his young age. The book of Proverbs in his middle age, and then the book of Ecclesiastes when he's very old. When he comes to the conclusion after having houses and wives and children and having money and having pleasure, he comes to the end of his life and he says, everything in life is emptiness of life apart from God. God has to be number one in everything that I do. Why? Because money, power, things do not bring happiness ever in our lives. It doesn't matter what you buy. It doesn't matter how many bank accounts you have or possessions you have. It will not bless you as you put God number one in your life. He is truly the blessing in our lives. Number two is Rehoboam, not Rehoboam. There's two Rehoboams. Rehoboam is Solomon's foolish son who loses the northern half of the kingdom. He's the one that brings a split in the kingdom of the 12 tribes. Takes 10 and then two are left. And then Jeroboam is the first ruler of the northern part of the ten nations who set up their religious system in the north of the Galilee where they began to worship the golden calves, the calf worship in the northern part of the land of Israel. And then you have Ahab, 
that evil king of Israel who actively promotes Baal worship to Israel and has an evil wife by the name of Jezebel. And then Elijah, the bold prophet who struggles to resist Ahab and Jezebel and finally triumphs over the, not only over the kingdom of evil, but God uses him to destroy the priest of Baal and to challenge them in Mount Carmel when he gathers together 400 of Baal's prophets and he challenged them to do a miracle, but they couldn't do it. And then the key events in the book of 1 Kings is Solomon dedicates a temple in chapter 89. Then Israel rebels against Rehoboam in chapter 12. And then Ahab of Israel promotes Baal worship in chapter 16. And then Elijah emerges as God's champion in 1 Kings 17 through 19. And now we begin our study. And if you want to keep record, if you want to take the whole book in 1 Kings chapter 1 through 11, you have the kingdom united. In chapter 12 through 6, the kingdom divided. And then in chapter 17 to 22, the kingdom in conflict, in trouble, and getting ready to be judged. And then we begin in chapter 1 of Kings, the last days of David, beginning with verse 1. And now King David was old, advanced in years, and they put covers on him, but he could not get warm. Now, it's interesting that when David comes to the age of 70, he's bent over, he cannot walk, he has to be in bed all the time, and he can't get warm. He comes in an early age of 70 years old where he can do nothing compared to Caleb, 85 years old. Hey, let me go to the other side and I'll take the land. No matter what, strong, walking, running, and ready to do battle at 85 years old. Moses at 80 years old, getting ready to die. Some people when they're young are very strong like David. David was a nice looking young man. Very strong in his vigor and when he was young. But he got old really quickly and became very weak in his old age. At the age of 70, he couldn't do anything else in life. That was it for him. And yet, when you think of so many people in their own personal lives, the word that he uses here in the Hebrew advancing years means that he was bent over physically. He couldn't even sit up. And he had a problem where he was not only in the palace, and there was no possible way that they would put blankets on him, but he couldn't get warm. So what they needed to do is bring in one of his wives. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. For biblical resources to grow in your faith, visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. And be sure to ask about Rawls' book titled Sin, The Root of All Evil, featuring a life-giving look at God's solution to the universal problem of guilt. Now let's continue with more from our lesson in 1 Kings. Verse 2, look what it says. And therefore his servant said to him, Let the young woman, a virgin, be sought for our Lord, the king, and let her stand before the king, and let her care for him, and let her lie in your bosom, that our Lord, the king, may get warm. Now, this young lady by the name that is used here, she was a virgin. 
And what's interesting in the rest of the book, it tells you that it was one of David's wives. She was just not a woman coming in to his bed. She was young. Imagine being a young woman, which is a tradition of kings at this particular time, where the woman that was very young had to sleep with the old king just to keep him warm without any sexual thing going on. This was the actual law of the land, the tradition, where they would look for a young maid, a virgin, and she would come at night and lay with him and keep him warm, her body with his body. You see, many people have tried to make this a dirty thing between David and this little girl. She was a virgin, one of his wives. David had many wives. And to me it's interesting because here David in his old age, not only comes physically to a place where he can't even keep warm, he can't do anything else in life but just lie in his bed completely and do nothing. All of his youth strength is gone forever. Getting ready to die. Getting ready to go into the presence of the Lord now. And yet, verse 3, notice what it says. And so they sought for a lovely young woman throughout the territory of Israel, and they found Abishag, the Shuamite, and they brought her to the king. She literally came from the little town in the Eshkem Valley, about seven miles from Nazareth. She came to Jerusalem. She was sought for. And so they went out and looked for her. They found her, and then they brought her in. You can find that little town in Joshua chapter 19, verse 18. And then it says, and the young woman was very lovely. She was beautiful to behold. And she cared for the king and served him. But the king did not, notice, know her sexually. There was nothing going on sexually. Can you imagine the task it must have been for this young, beautiful woman to take care of an old man? A ministry given to her. We live in such a selfish society today that people are too busy... Even to build a bridge between father and mother and grandpa and grandma or whoever it is in your family. There's so many times we make the excuse that we don't have any time for our parents or our grandparents. Because you know what? They live their life. I got to live my life now. That's a very selfish attitude to take. When in the Bible, the family was very important. They took care of you. They fed you. They clothed you. When you were sick, they took care of you. We must not forget those things. No matter what your parents have ever done to you, whether it's good or bad, they're still your parents. And if you're a Christian, you better have a good attitude with your parents and your grandparents or any person that you have to take care of. So important to learn the lessons in the Old Testament so that when you get old, someone can watch over you. May God help us to have a heart for people. Just like we see David here now old. And yet, his family taking care of him. Verse 5. And then Adonijah, the son of Hathith, exalted himself. And he said, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. This is David's elder son. Now, there's a problem here. In verse 5, the problem is this, Solomon is also David's son. 
Adonijah has not been chosen by God to become the next king of Israel. But Solomon, what does he do? He goes over his father's head. His dad's old. My dad can't walk. My dad can't do anything. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my authority and my power. And I'm going to self-appoint myself to be the next king of Israel. And by the way, I'm going to call on people that were with my dad in his army. And they actually moved with my dad. And I'm going to win them over to my side. I'm going to throw a big old party. I'm going to invite them. And I'm going to ask them to follow me. Sad that this son of Solomon begins to rebel against his own father and his own brother by self-appointment. That he would become the next king. Notice what it says. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And listen, the people that he's gathering to himself are people that are not faithful to David. There are people like that. One of the things you learn in ministry and you learn over the years is that you have certain people, not many people, but very few people that you can really trust with your life. They know you and they love you and they accept you for who you are. You don't expect anything from them. They don't expect anything from you. This son of David was kind of a betrayer, and he is trying like Absalom, his son. You know, David's son Absalom is a betrayer also, where he went out to the gates when David was king. And Absalom would stand at the corner of the gates, and he say, those that were coming to the city, hey, by the way, my father's too busy, and he can't see you, but I am his son, and I'll talk to you. My dad doesn't have time, but I have time. And what was he doing? Winning the heart of the people to himself. There are people like that. In the body of Christ. There are people like that in your jobs. That are constantly looking to pull people to themselves. And build their own little kingdom. And to betray faithfulness. Concerning their employers. Or even employees. This was David's son. This was Solomon's son now. And here is David's son now betraying. Lifting himself up. Gathering together men unto himself. And look what it says in verse 6. And his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, Why have you done so? He was also very good looking. His mother had borne him after Aslam. Now, one of the weaknesses that David had in his life, he was a great king, he was a great husband, but he was a poor disciplinarian. He never ever disciplined his children. His children got away with murder. And now he's reaping the consequences of that lack of discipline. So important that as a father, that's why Solomon wrote 3,000 Proverbs and gave to us the book of Proverbs concerning how we are to discipline our children. Because David never disciplined his children. He let them get away with whatever they wanted to get away with. When Absalom killed his brother, never discipline him. Never discipline him. And here we see the picture of an unruly child that has been getting away in life with anything and everything. And his parents have never ever rebuked him. Never corrected him. 
And he used to get in a way with murder. Now he wants to take the kingdom to himself. And to lift himself up. And because he was good looking too. Verse 7. And then he conferred with Joab. And who is Joab? Joab is David's bodyguard and David's what? General of the army. And what does he do? He goes to his father's general. Now that David is in bed, he can't move. He can't do anything. He says, hey Joab, why don't you come and work for me? I'm going to be the next king. And I'll lift you up. And I'll pay you good. And I'll promote you. Notice. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Sariah, and with Abithiar the priest, and helped Adonijah. And notice that he went to the general of the army, and then he went to the religious leader, the priest. The one that had been with David, worshiping, praying, and asking God. Now the priest and the general turn with a betrayer. But Sadok, the priest, Benaniah, the son of Jehoiah, and Nathan the prophet, Shimei, Rei, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. There was this group of people that really loved David and they would never betray him. Especially Nathan the prophet. He's the one that is going to go tell David in his death, that hey David, I don't know if you're aware of this, but your son has risen himself up, and you better get up and appoint Solomon to be the next king, or you're going to have problems. Why? Because the next king in line, you know what he would do? He's going to kill your wife, he's going to kill your son, so that he can be king. Usually when a new king came, they killed all the families. And Nathan knew this. David, you better take care of business before you die. Then notice verse 9. And Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen and fattened cattle by the stone of Soheth. They were celebrating, which is by Enrogel. He also invited all his brothers and king's sons and all the men of Judah and the king's servants. So what does he do? He has this big old party, brings in, everybody has a big old potluck, and he's trying to win people over to himself by having this huge party and then giving them his agenda, what he wants to do, coming against his father, not even consulting his own father. But he did not invite, notice, Nathan, the prophet, Benaniah, the mighty man, or Solomon, his brother. He doesn't invite those that he knows that are faithful to his dad. His best friends, uh -uh, don't invite them, because you know what? They won't go for it. He invites those people that never have really been faithful to David. Those that have just been following because of pay, or power, or position. But these other men that are not going with his son are men that have laid down their lives for David. All through life. They've been with David many, many, many years. And they're not about to betray David even at this point in time. King David wasn't perfect in the spiritual training of his children, but he did leave behind a legacy of faith that could be followed. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to hear this program in its entirety, we'll send a copy to you for a donation of $5 or more. To get that, simply call us at 800-634-9165. 
When you contact us, mention today's teaching from 1 Kings chapters 1 and 2. We'd also like to tell you about Rawls' booklet titled, Sin, the Root of All Evil. It's a resource that will further challenge you to avoid compromise and honor God in your daily life. As you learn to pinpoint areas where you're most susceptible to temptation, you'll learn to guard your heart and maintain a strong spiritual witness. Contact us today to order Rawls' booklet titled, Sin, the Root of All Evil. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 and we'll send your copy for a donation of $8 plus shipping and handling. That's 800-634-9165. Our mailing address, if you'd like to order this resource by writing, is Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. And be sure to tap into our many free resources. Download the Somebody Loves You app for instant access to digital Bible studies, an easy Bible reading plan, and much more. You can also download podcasts of all of these programs using iTunes or Spotify. For more biblical instructions for a God-glorifying life, join Rawl on his YouTube channel. This Q&A program called Straight Talk streams every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific. Every dollar you give to Somebody Loves Your Radio helps us reach more and more people with the good news of Jesus Christ, and we thank you for partnering with us. Tune in again next time for an uplifting message from our study of 1 Kings. We'll draw hope and encouragement from the final testimony of King David, who came to the end of his life confidently praising God's sovereign goodness. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.